0: Namaste. So in this series on Sri Aurobindo's writings, we, will, we are continuing with Collected Works of Sri Aurobindo, Volume 9, which is Writings in Bengali and Sanskrit. So Bengali writings we had touched last time and now it is about Writings in Sanskrit. First things first, nobody taught Sanskrit to Sri Aurobindo. he learnt it himself. The first thing we must know. There was no Sanskrit teacher, and the way he learnt it through the original scriptures, he could read Kalidas, Valmiki, Vyas, all these he has read in original. And not only he has read and understood, he could see where are the problems, where, where it is Vyas, where there is a change, all these subtleties he could completely comprehend. Now, there are many Sanskrit writings of Sherbindha, if we take the uh, Agni Mantramala and many others But we are not going into that aspect Because we are confining to the book Collected Works of Sri Aurobindo, Volume 9 In which we only find a selected group of Sanskrit writings And these writings we can roughly divide into One group which are incomplete writing Like Kevalye Upanishad. there is a portion he translates Rig there are some portions which he has uh, you know, translated into Sanskrit. There is a sloka. So there are some scattered fragmentary writings. But the main focus will be, and then of course the mantras in Sanskrit, but the main focus is on these four writings. One is where Sri has written what is known today as Sri Upnishad. That's not the name Sri gave to it. It was a, um, you know, it is a, he picks up a sloka from Chandogupanishad. Ekame Vidyutiyam, one without a second. And then he expands it, now that that is the end of the sloka, Chandogupnishad, Upanishad. And the, all the rest is, as a mantra drishta. he has given a whole new upnishad Because he is the seer of the mantra and it is mantric and it is Sanskrit. So, you know, it is it, it was named later on as Sri upnishad, Upanishad. But he had written it only under the title Ekame Vidyutiyam. Then there is another uh, writing which is well known to all of us. We have already dealt with it, so I won't deal with it today, is Bhavani Bharati. Again, this is not the name Shurabindo gave to it, but it was given. It's a hundred uh, or ninety-nine words uh, of writing, very powerful writing, written between 1904 to 1908, which is about awakening the soul of India. And this is almost like Bhavani Mandir, where he speaks about awakening the Bhavani, Durga's throat. All, all of them are about awakening the energy of the infinite Shakti within us. And with that Shakti, to slay the Asura outside and within. This is the essence of that writing. That on one side, this is the Asura outside, the Mlech who have, uh, who have conquered India apparently. They have conquered the body of India, but not the spirit. So that's why we see that despite all these invasions, the spirit of India remained intact and bounced back. So he started from within outwards, awakening the spirit of India in Bhavani Bharati. Then there is a third writing. Then you see the Sri Aravind Upanishad and uh, the other two writings are mainly written between 1910 to 1913. After, immediately after coming to Pondicherry. So as soon as he came to Pondicherry, he got a program for yoga. And in one of his letters to Bharin, he writes that uh, the Jagat Guru, the master of the world, which he is referring to Krishna, has given me the ten limbs of this yoga. But nowhere it is described as ten limbs. What comes closest is Saptuchatustya, which is the sevenfold quadrants. So they are all relating to seven aspects. Or levels at which the working has to go on. And each of them must have these four elements within it. It's a whole program for the divine perfection of humanity. But it's a program given to Shrivindo. We don't have to uh, take that and practice. What has to be practiced has been given in synthesis of yoga. And later on, he made it very easy because the mother came so... <laughs> All perfection became so easy. But Sapta is again not part of Sherbindo's Bangla and um, Sanskrit writings. It is separately given in records of yoga in the initial part. So we'll touch upon it when we go there. And the fourth writing is uh, Tantric Siddhi Prakaran. So it's an incomplete writing. On Tantra Siddhi. So we see that Shrivindo not only synthesised the various um, paths of Vedantic Yoga. In fact, there is one of his writings which is just like the uh, Yoga in many ways. So, but he also synthesised the Vedanta and Tantra. And this Siddhi Prakaran, we also find Tantric Siddhi Prakaran. It something like in yogic sadhan, the way it uh, proceeds. Again, written around that period. Uh, is very similar to what is given here so in Vedanta we start with knowledge in Tantra we start with will so I'll just read a little passage from here and then we will go to so this text has been translated by Dr. Sampadanand Mishra and it starts very powerfully Shakti Upasana Tantrika Siddhi The worship of Shakti The divine force is the basis of tantric Siddhi or perfection And he says the worship is of two types We'll just read only small portions Worshipping the Shakti with the sense that I am She See in Vedanta it is I am He Sohamasmi. Here it is I am She and with the sense that she is Prakriti and I am Purusha. So there are two ways one can worship Shakti. One is that I am she. And the other is that I am the Purusha and she is the Prakriti. But Sri Aurobindo when later on, it must be mentioned, uh, people said that, uh, can we start with this Sohamasmi that I am the divine? He said, well, though it is a truth, but it very easily leads to an ego aggrandizement. So he said, discover the psychic being so that you know you are an eternal portion of the divine. One in essence, just like a drop. Drop is of the same essence as the ocean. At the same time, if the drop is separate, then the drop has no power of the ocean. But the moment drop becomes a part of the ocean, the entire ocean might is with the drop. It supports the drop. That is the story even in Kenupanishad. That even a blade of grass supported by the eternal becomes invincible. So we can live as a drop separated from the ocean in which case though we are divine in a sense. But from practical purposes we are completely under the spell of ignorance. But the day we realize our identity with the divine, identity with the divine without dissolving into it. So we know that this drop within us is a portion of the divine. And therefore the entire infinite energy, infinite knowledge, infinite ananda is there, right there with us, behind us. Anytime it can express itself. So these are the two ways. So he says that the purpose of this is to become the instrument of God. When the sadhana proceeds with the sense of I am She, then it will lead to identification with Kali. When the sadhana proceeds with the sense that I am Purusha and She is Prakriti, then it will lead to the state of the Vibhuti. So we see in Shirobindo's own life, there was such a role of Krishna and Kali, and later on such an identification with Kali, that he would sign many of his letters with Kali. That's how he would write so what is the main principle in all this? The principle means for both of these forms of worship is self-surrender. You, you know, whether you take it this way or that way. That is the shakt worship. Even Shiva has to surrender to Shakti. Krishna has to surrender to Radha. There is no way. You may be Krishna, but you have to surrender to Radha. I mean, you means take that attitude of soul and nature. Either ways this sadhana is not mine how does it start i must say that later on shurbindo knowing that you know very few are strong to uh, take this path that's why he said that um, in one of the aphorisms who can bear the onrush of kali within his system he whom krishna already possesses so and of course vice versa it applies so he says how does this sadhana proceed this sadhana is not mine It belongs to thee. The burden of doing sadhana is not mine. It belongs to thee. Come, O Kali, thou art the doer, not I. Thou art the force. I have no force of my own. Do thou the sadhana. This attitude is self-surrender. Careful, because if Kali comes streaming into the system, <laughs> what is going to happen? So it, it implies, there are many things implied within it. Because the moment we make that self-surrender, self-surrender means now my life is no more mine. What she will do with us, now it is left to her. So that's why one has to be well grounded about this. With the sense of self-surrender, when the sadhaka, making no effort, sits happily abandoning the thought of dharma and adharma virtue and vice good and bad pleasant and unpleasant then kali enters into his body otherwise if we divide the life then we are not ready but what does kali do when she enters she roots out adharma and whatever is you know evil and throws it out she lifts up dharma To what it should actually be. So that's what the divine does. He transforms evil into its original good. It's not like, you know, when he comes, he says, Okay, do anything that you feel like. Because divine is beyond good and evil. He transforms evil into its original good. That is what is meant by restoring the Purva Deva who have fallen. And he lifts up good from the human to its divine equivalent. So both are lifted up, transformed and then they become one. But if we say this is good and evil and therefore, Mother has explained this so beautifully. She says when you cut life into these two, pa- two parts, then it prevents offering. Why? Because we don't want to see bad. I mean in ourselves. In others we see it freely. Because when we don't see in ourselves and others it becomes very visible. It is the same thing. So we do not offer Because it's very easy to offer to mother Mother my life and I'm offering and I'm aspiring But to say that Mother I have this little ambition I have this little defect I have lust and greed and fear Somebody asked the mother Mother um, When these thoughts arise Why do they arise in front of you? She said because they have to be dissolved That's why they arise in front of me So that you can offer them And then she enters into the body through yoga shakti and what does she do as soon as she comes? She having entered, removes the ahankara or ego. By her hunkar, she removes the ahankar. After that if you say, you know what, I am so and so, she will one slap and you are gone. Because now it is no more you. Tomar karmo, tomi karoma, loke bole If one lives still with this idea, inviting Kali, if one says me, she says okay, come. And the namund malini slays the ego. So, what does she do first? She removes the idea of ego. It is ego and the mind that generate duality. She first removes the lowest tamasik ego. What is tamasik ego? I am unfit, I am useless. I am no good. I am this only. I am a worthless creature. I am a hopeless creature. I am bad. I am... uh, Even God's grace I don't deserve. All this is tamasik ego. People enjoy it. And this is the best way to not make any effort. Because when you say I am unfit, then you are not supposed to make any effort. You just live the life of intelligence. He removes that straight away. So all that is associated with darkness, depression, guilt, all this he removes. Unfitness... After this, she removes the mixed ahankar arising out of both rajas and tamas. Rajas is I am the doer, I am great, I am instrument, I am channel, whatever. You know, you keep finding, channeling all this. <laughs> so then she removes that. Now that tends to fluctuate. Rajas going into tamas. Rajas collapses into tamas. That is the gati of rajas. Then she removes the sattvic ego. Sattvic ego is, I am a righteous person a very nice person, I follow everything according to the Shastra. She will make sure that you will end up stumbling and on the ground, <laughs> identified with <laughs> Shiva. She puts her feet over you and says, So, you are a very righteous person. <laughs> Mother, please. <laughs> sattvic ego, ego of responsibility. If I was not there, the world will collapse. All this removes Sattvic Ahankar. She lifts the sadhak above the three gunas or modes of nature. She removes all impure sanskaras or past impressions. It's gone completely. The way of life to which we subscribe all, both, what we called as good and what we called as bad. Even the good is gone. Kaliv rajanam. Because otherwise we will cling to the limited and not really find the infinite. This is what is known as the purification of the chitta or the mind. The purification of the mind does not consist of saintliness. People have this idea after that, you know, you are only eating uh, food before six o'clock, which is from underground. No, not underground, you are not killing any saintliness. You are always saying nice things, very nice Saintly, all blessings. Saintliness, uh, mother says, I am not a saint. And one place she says, Shabindu writes, the goal of this yoga is not to become a saint or a sage. It is yoga, which is very different. Its signs are the removal of the ahankara and the purification from sanskara. So how that person will act after that? <laughs> you cannot determine by human standards. You can't decide, oh, saints have to act in a certain way the virtuous man is certain way they are gone now if the person is kali's instrument this is punya or virtue this is papa or vice i shall do this and i shall not do that this sense of virtue and vice is an obstacle to any siddhi or accomplishment that's why some of the people don't understand some of the mother's children like Pranabdha, suddenly in the playground, when somebody has come, show is arranged, that man has come from outside. Mother is also present. And this man starts, Jadi prabal. He wants to show how the mind has so many powers. Suddenly Pranabdha gets up and says, Stop this nonsense. And starts walking away. Now everybody, my God. And mother gets up and walks away. Then they don't understand. This is not human behavior. After all he has come We have to give him respect Doesn't matter if he is saying false things Soon what is it? Not Kali doesn't work like that (laughs) Somebody told me the story was present He said everybody was awestruck What has happened? So it is not based on what human judgments are Many people didn't understand Why he suddenly stopped people from Morroville To come to the playground He just said no, no entry allowed People couldn't understand How could he do this? It goes away beyond any human conception. And yet he had his own reason. And very simple and straight reason. I don't want my children to be contaminated by all that. So what was the contamination during that time? If you see, the mother says they are reproducing like cats and dogs. He didn't want. He said that idea of freedom I don't. He could say that. Anybody else would say it's okay, it's all one. Same. So, now of course, people have evolved and changed. But at that time, what was required? For it arises out of ignorance, Papa and Punya. There is no such thing as vice and no such thing as virtue. There is only the will of God which acts according to the inner nature. It uses everything. Duryodhana was used by the divine to act, to bring together all the, <laughs> you know, arrogant kshatriyas to be destroyed. He used even Sahasra Arjun to kill Rishi Jamadagni and his wife so that Parshuram can go about freely. He uses everything. Even Draupadi. This was a question Shirobhinda was asked that dream dialogue with Nirodha. Why did you allow Draupadi's Chiradan? So Shirobhinda says, you know, I have been trying to put some intelligence in your head. You don't understand? That incident tipped the balance totally in favor of the Pandavas. How does one understand all this? The tantric whose mind is attached to vice Cannot become accomplished Nor can one whose mind is attached to virtue So here is making qualification You can't be just indulging in vice, Saying I am above wise in virtue But one whose mind is concentrated on her With a capital H Becomes accomplished He alone is called a tantric To just the mind to be concentrated on the Divine Mother Is the highest tantra And then he goes on, you know, saying that, you know, to have the feeling, why is it not happening? It must happen today, makes it difficult. That all that he brings out later on, that if you are eager, if you are in haste, because divine will work in his own way, whatever you may do, the more you try to disturb the workings, the more time it will take. So you have to just learn to surrender. She having entered into the body of the sadhaka, gives knowledge gives strength, gives love and bliss. All these things are incomplete and impermanent while the mind is being purified. But they become complete when the purity is established. So they will fluctuate. They will come and go, come and go till the mind is completely purified. Even that completeness is not Siddhi but the basis of Siddhi and movement towards Siddhi. The true Siddhi is the union with Kali. That is the sadharmya or identity of nature which is the basis of the Siddhi. And then he speaks of the four quartets of this Siddhi, everything including what is renunciation. So again, renunciation does not mean inactivity for that is tamsik, but giving up one's actions to God. One whose intelligence is unattached has an equal mind, not one who abandons action for inaction is inertia. Not equality. So we are just uh, we've just read uh, read from portions and the last bit. This is how one should think. What should be the approach? Now, when we read Shrimad Upanishad, we will see now the same thing from a Vedantic perspective. This is how one should think. Whatever impulse to action thou givest, the Shakti will execute it. Whatever fruit of action thou givest, she will enjoy. Whatever desire Thou puttest Into the Prana Will be her desire I am not the doer I am not afflicted By desire I am the knower I am the enjoyer The supreme being Gives the sanction And Kali acts As he permits This is happiness This is bliss So this is the whole process She has given in Very very Small nutshell And the result is Shanti Which is an Undisturbed Steadiness And patience and there, there, there would have been a lot more which should there not written. It's an incomplete writing. But this gives the clue. And the same thing, but in a different way we find in this Upanishad which is completed, which is also part of these Sanskrit writings is, what is known today is Sri Aravinda Upanishad. But as I said, Sri had called it Ekameva Dvityam. And here again I am reading the English translation, which is quite good. Here we read all his Shakti. and This Upanishad starts with Ekamev Dityam. Om, there is Brahman alone, the one without a second. Being and non-being are its forms and it is also beyond being and non-being. I'll just read some of the sutras and the end ones I'll expand a little. Because it's a big uh, writing. That alone is the transcendent being beyond all the three times, beyond all the worlds, penetrating all the worlds, beyond being, beyond non-being. So both aspects are there. He is beyond and yet entering into the worlds. He is without quality and supports all qualities. So again we see there is constantly the fusion. He is beyond qualities and yet he supports all qualities. He has qualities, infinite qualities and enjoys the state of being without quality. Both are two sides of one reality. As Brahman, he is, he, or he is called as Nirguna Guni or Ananda Guna. So as Brahman, he is without qualities. And as the being, as Purushottama, Parmeshwara, he has all these qualities. So Saguna and Nirguna Brahma and beyond. He is beyond the worlds, yet he holds the worlds. There was one line which um, I wanted to read. Ah, okay, it will come. Where he says that this world is true because it is in established in the Brahman. So this is one of the main thing. Jagata api brahman satyam namitya. So because this world even… and he gives a very beautiful example which which follows that this word is real, it is not true. Even the, it is not false. It is not an illusion. And then he gives the example of the sun which pours upon water. So when the water is still, you see one light. When the water is moving, then you see that light in multiple, uh, you know, broken reflections. But are the broken reflections of light not true? No, they are also true. Because they are derived from that one light. So those examples he gives us. He himself is neither holder nor held, neither infinite nor finite, neither one nor many, neither formless nor formed, because he is one and single. To those who find it very difficult to understand all this, basically it means don't try to understand he is beyond all conceptions. (laughs) The moment you say finite, you have limited him. The moment you say infinite, even that is a limitation. Then what about the finite? Is it different? No. He is both and beyond. So Mother in one of our prayers says, beyond all human conceptions, So he can be known only by experience, that's why. Human mind cannot conceive, it lives in dualities. Even at the highest, it will get into this. It can be either finite or infinite. That's the problem with the, you know, Samaj. How can God take a human body? He is infinite. He is eternal. How can he take a mortal body? dek sakhi moe achara jave brahma nadi ananta no, agochar. So ab nandu ko lal kahave. Are you, how can you say that? God has become beta of Nand, son of Nand. As a helpless creature, he is holding Yeshodama's uh, finger and he is moving around. Ja dolat Out of fear of whom the skies are held in their places and the Earth and all the different earths are moving. Even death, time the destroyer comes and says, Naman. <laughs> so and he says, so, Nandlal, aaj ki Anguri si Now he is learning how to walk. What is this? So God becoming all this creation. Neti neti jako shruti kave. These Vedas say he's is not this not that and how come he comes and holds the finger and he is learning to walk I cannot believe it but what we cannot believe is the reality of the divine he is at once all these and much more this is the basic thing so trying to understand the divine by the mind is at one point it becomes impossible so is there no way to understand yes there is that's what Yoga tells us by identifying with the divine. That's why in uh, religions where there is no yoga and only a belief system, you see how over a period of time they degenerate, become rigid, dogmatic. Why? Because the true understanding is not there. Whatever has been said, has been said from a state of consciousness. In the mind it becomes something else. Like when the parents say something to the child, child understands it in different way. Like parents say, Looking at a child making, you know, things which are dirty, he says, don't, don't make mess here. So the child picks up the word here. It's okay, elsewhere I can make a mess. That's how we understand. So then, that's how our understanding of the divine become when we base itself on merely a mental belief system. So yoga is the way to understand. He, all these are but names, that which is called oneness and that which is called multiplicity, that which is called infinite and that which is called finite. Basically, not to understand the divine through scholarly discussions and seminars. The only way God has ever been understood since time immemorial is through identification for which one has to take the journey. Not a journey that I take a flight and go and take, have a seminar where we speak about, you know, supermind. And then you know I have a nice lunch and you know your name goes He spoke on supermind, see? What a lovely That's never the way to find God. <laughs> Finding God is <laughs> to become the lowest of the lowly and yet identify with him so you'll find him. There is no other way. It's a fact. There is no other way except to become one with him. And the only way for that is yoga. At one place, Srivastava says, mere spread of the idea is not sufficient. We want real yogins." It had shaken me to the core. Long back, I had read it. I said, my God, mere spread of the idea is not sufficient. We want real yogins." Of course, even there, he goes, oh, I am a yogi. <laughs> Just because you wear a dhoti and move bare breasted means you are a yogin. Yes. This is our conception that something I must imitate. So, <laughs> so, Om the Triple Brahman. Now, this is see, all this is Brahman. This is what the Upanishad says Mundak Upanishad that it is a fourfold Brahman outward, inward. The inmost and that which exceeds all of them. The Virat, Hiranyagarb, Pragya, and then there is the Thurya All these is Brahman. And of course, there is a very interesting understanding of how from that state the world becomes what it is and how they are all connected. But that is a different discussion altogether. Mandukya Upanishad, sorry, not Mundak. Mundak is Mundan. People have only thing understood about the Munda Kupanishad is do the mundan. So you become a sannyasi. But Munda Kupanishad is about the higher knowledge and the lower knowledge. Mandu Kupanishad is about Om, where you know the fourfold Brahman is described. So he says that. And then we use often Om Tat Sat. So what is Tat, what is Sat? So it's so beautifully says, The outward looking, the triple Brahman. The inward or subtle and the super causal purusha. Tat, the absolute. Sat, the supreme and universal existence in its principle. And that which is existence, the same is consciousness. So they are one together. And then, this example we just spoke about as the reflection of the sun is one in calm waters, but multiple in restless water. Real is the sun, real the reflection, the real light of the real sun. It's not a dream, but the light of a reality. Similarly, here, the world Brahman is the true sign of the divine, not a dream nor illusory, nor a false shining. It is the real light of the reality. Not the divine in himself, but still he himself only. So this is what we have to remember. See, this idea of turning away from the world, moksha in otherworldliness. Moksha is what? It is liberation from this wrong understanding. That is moksha. Where we cut the world into different parts and as if birth is something else. This is his blissful Leela. All this is phenomenally true but false in reality. So this is a distortion of that ultimate truth which is here. Whatever thus manifests is the world bliss only. That's why in everything we see some either is seeking or a trace of that world bliss. The world's senseless Mirrors, world's, God's delight. All that we see, matter, mountains, still that's why people go there because nowadays city they don't find it. Because all the time they are seeing human beings where the delight is most wheeled. Why do you feel joy when we go to even the denuded mountains? Because there that delight, It is delight which is packed in that and releases itself. that indeed which is jiva individual soul is the all blissful divine in disguise now you see it's coming to the same thing we call ourselves as limited beings this and then people create artificial barriers how can I realize God it is impossibility he is infinite because we are that in our truth that's why it is possible if we were not that then yoga will be meaningless that's why the semitic religions where man is a sinner that's all You cannot discover God because there is a big gulf. But Indian thought has always been that man is God in disguise. That's why he can discover and uncover him. Descended to enjoy the self-luminous world Brahman. That which is the experience of suffering is an experience made of bliss. How is it? In suffering we are seeking for joy. Why do we suffer? Because we feel... This joy that I have, no, is not enough because I am seeking for perfect bliss. That creates the sense of suffering. That's why human beings suffer a lot more than animals because we are inbuilt with this idea of programmed to evolve towards the all-perfect. So we suffer. Who indeed could dare enjoy that which is devoid of bliss? He would he only could dare it who is all blissful who will be capable of entering into the realm of suffering who is all blissful <laughs> so beautifully says why because if you if there is no bliss you will disintegrate there will be no existence he only would dare it who is all blissful as for him who is devoid of bliss the whole enjoying the blissless would still not enjoy it would rather perish without bliss who can become weak? This is also in one of his aphorisms. Who can become weak? He only can, who is all-powerful. So This is why this God has become, the all-powerful has become insensible, seemingly weak in the helplessness of a child. Why? Because within the child who is helpless, seemingly helpless, is the seed of a seer and a king. That's why he becomes it, so that he can retrace it and fulfill this world in outwardness. So what is ignorance? Ignorance is the root of this idea that I am but finite and therefore incapable, weak and sorrowful. Useless creature, I am weak, what can I do? But Mother and Shubindo make it practical. Yes, you cannot achieve anything by your own effort, but by the Divine Mother you can do it. So this idea that I am weak, incapable, this is ignorance. This is the seed of sin. When people feel this way, then they try devious means to have their little pound of joy. So they feel they are weak, incapable. But the day people realize that we are nothing else but portions of that Brahman, one in essence. I have to act, know and achieve with labour at the expense of energy, incurring mortality. Thou art that, I am this, that which thou art, I am not, that which is good for thee is bad for me, I lose by that by which thou gainest, I shall be happy only if I kill thee. I am not at all so illumined and happy. That I may make thee happy by my own suffering, by my own loss, and by my death, etc. This is the form of ignorance in mind. See, read this passage there are too many eyes. (laughs) For everything, I am responsible. Ego is indeed its seed of ignorance. By deliverance from ego, one is delivered from ignorance. By deliverance from ignorance, one is delivered from suffering. Knowing that I am all blissful, he am I, I am one, I am infinite, I am all one, becomes all blissful, one becomes a being of bliss. This is what is given in Vedanta. That's what we read in Tantric Prakaran. I am Kali. Kali has become all this. The same thing from Vedantic perspective is that I am Brahman. So of course, all these are when we undertake sadhana. If we just start repeating it, then we may become like Ravana. Brahman becomes multiplied into ten and <laughs> each one <laughs> is super arrogant. So this that was the mistake of Brahm, uh, Ravana. No? He picked up the mantra Aham Brahmasmi but he forgot that others are also Brahman. So that's where the error lies. The ego picks it up like this. I am God. Yes, good. But others are also God. They are not somebody else. When we live with that state then it brings that Felicity and perfect peace. This indeed is liberation. So, first he describes ignorance, then he describes liberation. Liberated, he enjoys the enjoyments of all, enjoying all joys infinitely. He is not separated from finites, enjoying finites. He is not deprived of the infinite. He is one, he becomes many, he is indeed unborn and is as it were, born. So this is the Isha Upanishad, which speaks about Sambhutiya Sambhuti and um, Vidya Vidya. And finally, these two, with which we can stop. For Leela indeed is the world. What is the purpose? It is Leela. Now, of course, Shrimad has brought in that dimension that this Leela is going where? It is a manifestation. Leela literally is that. It's not Leela like a she yes, is enjoying when we are suffering. It's not meant like that. That's how we take it. Lila is the manifestation of the divine. Maya is his power, not some mysterious thing which came and veiled us. So, Lila is the manifestation of the divine. So, what is at the root of the Lila is the all blissful. So, its end will be all blissful. What happens in the middle? In the middle we have thodi khushi, thoda Because we have half the joy... So, along with half the joy, half the sorrow. That's all. But joy runs throughout the journey. If there is one thing which even in human life, people often make such a gospel of suffering or life. to tell them that, okay, you are really suffering so much. Yes, I am suffering so much. Well, Corona is nowadays rampant. So, would you like to take a little dose of it? No, 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 I want the vaccine. Why? Because inbuilt, programmed within us, this idea of the all blissful. Because we are meant for that. Even that, if we look at just one human life, any human life randomly, even the life of the gypsy and the vagabond, right below my this thing, and you can see it. We have a feeling that they are suffering. Actually, in most human lives, suffering, if we actually take an account, will constitute in most human lives, there, there would be exception, 5 to 10%. Otherwise, most moments are happy moments. You look into a day, but what is the problem then? because pain and suffering strike us as anomaly it should not be there because inbuilt within us is the idea that it should not be there for some reason and second why it uh, tends to prolong because the mind begins to play upon it there is a capacity in the mind called mirror neurons so somebody says something one moment in a whole day that moment is 1 minute but the whole day it is playing, he told me like this, he told me. Most insignificant person, but the mind is playing, he told me like this. You say, are you a hundred people have told it? No, no, he told me, I wanted to hear from him. So this is the way mind prolongs that suffering, that particular him. He did not say, all the others may say, but that has no meaning. So this is how we prolong the suffering very unnaturally, because of the ego and the mind, that's what he's describing. That is ignorance. So why? Because that time, what is the state? Oh, I am a useless person. Tamasikigo. And then there are cosmic forces that say, Oh, very good, very good. You enjoy there. So, you know, yes, you are a useless person. Then how does joy enter in that place? Through Mokesh ke gane. Because, you know, joy will find some way to enter. So suddenly you will start liking those songs, Bachpan ke din bholana dena. Meri zindagi ye kya kati patang hai you know. <laughs> you know, because, That is Kishwar Kumar, sorry So the point is you, Joy will find its way And you see people enjoy it It's not, a jo- it's not just It's so strange that if you tell them that uh, Okay, listen to a happy song No, 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 right now I, I don't want to listen So what do you want to put? put? mukesh ke gaane Joy finds its place even from the most dark realm that is how Tamasiki ego operates. But otherwise it's leela. And if we understand leela, then we automatically understand. Today it is this, tomorrow it will change. It will grow, evolve. Everything is, because it is a divine impulsion. It's not me or mine who is running the world. Show. He will change. There will be better appearances, better things to come. He has become playful for joy. Sometimes Krishna pushes us into the ditch. And if you are a bad sportsman, then you will cry. Why did you do it? After that, he also becomes serious. He puts his hand, says, okay, come out. No, I won't touch your hand. I don't believe you. You don't exist. Play. Play with Krishna. Play with the divine. Mother says, play with the Lord. Laugh with the Lord. And he he says, for that, we must avoid the company of serious people. (laughs) Because they are very boring. (laughs) Why they are boring? Because they, their idea of perfection is certain human virtues. And slowly they start eliminating everything. Look at, you know, this person who picks up a gospel of non-violence and he will start wearing a mask. What if… I mean, <laughs> a good looking guy, but he is, you know, done. Taken off his ears. So where is the Leela? Leela is to grow toward that Godhead. Not this way. This is the Asuric way of denuding yourself. He has become playful for joy Therefore be engaged in Leela But when did we lose the track of Leela When we placed him out there Then we had little mercy on God Then we placed him in a temple and Then there were people who said No, no, no We can't place him in the temple But parasti, Remove him May let him remain impersonal High above Poor God You know he is wanting Then he said Okay I will hide one place Where you will not search me the describes that in Savitri. God's last refuge from a profaning world is I'll like, hide in your heart. <laughs> and constantly says, Search me, search me, search me. Leela, no, I didn't seek, original game of God. So we are searching outside. O oh bliss, whoever dwellest deep hid within, while men seek the outside and never find. O oh truth defended in thy secret. Sun, mystery and muse. So that's how he says, Oh bliss, whoever oh dwellest, deep hid within. While men seek the outside and never find. This is the Leela. Therefore be engaged in Leela. Why? Because you are Anandasiputra. Oh sons of bliss. Being unified, being united, play. Enjoy the bliss, having attained the one enjoyable divine, enjoy him in all things. This is the command. Find the divine, become one with him and then enjoy this world as he enjoys. bunjita. Not as struggling human, if I get this I will be very happy. Whichever car you sit in, take it that it is <laughs> his car. <laughs> you don't need to possess a car, you know, and then only feel. Because then there are problems which come from insurance to maintenance (laughs) to (laughs) petrol and then new model will come. Then you will feel, oh my God, I am falling behind. See, this is the problem with owning, possessing. And then after some time, that car which you brought, which was the talk of the town, after five years is gone. You don't know. But when you are living with that freedom, wherever, it's just an example. It's all the lords. So then we are happy. Having attained, so this is important. Having attained the one enjoyable divine, he's enjoyable. He's not truth-like serious fellow sitting there with a carrot and red uh, rod. You sinner, sit there. You baptized one, come special bus for you. This is all our ideas. Divine is a playful child. As commanded by the divine, I shall indeed expound the bliss. All else after this. That's why the sign that we understand Shurvindu's writings is that we experience that bliss within. The joy. Let the bliss manifest itself, removing the obscurity. Perfect antidote for everything is the joy of the Lord. And Mother has actually said, when somebody asks Mother Edwards forces, all these, they come, what should I do? She said, look past them and laugh with the Lord. She says it disarms them because if we are am I not looking frightening? Am I not looking monstrous? Oh no, no. We are a mask. I know Krishna is hiding there. When we look at life like that, then all appearances. After some time, Krishna says, You are discovering me everywhere. Where do I hide then? Why do you want to hide, Lord? Enough of hide and seek. Now let us be one and play consciously. Because we are Ananda O sons of bliss, O sons of bliss. Namaste.